Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. So this week, we're going to look at whether social media and fitness trackers are actually doing runners more harm than good. We have Dr. Rachel Kent coming on, uh, but I'm interested to know, first of all, what your own experiences have been with uh, you know, social media and fitness trackers, and do you think it's been, you think you've got a healthy relationship? Has your relationship changed? What, what would you say? Ooh, where to start? I've stopped recording all my running, so I've, I've stopped, I just go out with like a little Casio watch. And uh, I just do it by time. So if I know I'm going to go and run for 40 minutes or something like that, then I'll just sort of keep an eye on that. And I just run and I run by feel and I just kind of don't put it on Strava and all these sorts of things. And that's because I wanted to de-stress my running. I was kind of like getting to a point where I was like, there's too much stuff going on just to get outside and go, go, go for a run. And I think that that was probably compounded by things like Strava and, and, and sort of like a misplaced sense of accountability which didn't exist before Strava like it wasn't important for everyone to know that I've been for a run and I think that then that buys into things like Instagram again like it doesn't it doesn't why do why do I feel the need to put a picture up I, I never run with my phone so you don't you're all saved from lots of selfies as I as I as I run along but still I'll always try and eke some content out of the fact that I've been for a run um and that's kind of partly in place because, you know, the, my, this job that we do in, in, you know, there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of rely accountability from that. We've got to be, it's good to be seen to be doing running. It's good to be seen to be testing things. We've, there is a, we've got to show our, our position and, and how we're getting on with the job. And that's, I'm, I'm totally down with that, but I feel like to, to go for a run just because I think that there should be a picture of me running. I haven't, I, I've never got to that stage, thankfully, but I can sort of see how people do. And like, that's where I think the danger of it all kind of comes into play. What about you, Jane? I'm kind of similar, kind of different. Um, I can't imagine going for a run without my watch. And I guess part of that is having a plan and have, you know, having a coach because, I think if I said to Lewis, yeah, I'm just not going to record any of my sessions, but I am going to do them, he'd be like, what? Um, So I do still use um, Strava. I've really recently made my Strava a lot lot more private. Only I can see the runs I do. Um, um, Just because I don't, I don't know, it was mainly for privacy, but also I guess I don't really care. Like I'm not the kind of person that spends a lot of time on Strava stalking people. I am the kind of person that does that on Instagram though and it makes me feel really really <laughs> every time I do it I go into these deep like holes of stalking certain people and making myself feel really down so I've actually um 
muted and kind of my feed isn't running related because obviously I agree with Ben I'm we're really lucky we get to test kit we get to run in cool places as part of my job so I think it would be really um I don't know I feel like I feel like I couldn't just turn my Instagram off altogether but personally I don't want to sit down in the evening and just see running I want to see my friends baby pics and I want to see photos of dogs and I want I want to see makeup tutorials so my feed I've really made an effort to remove any running not in a mean way you know they're still I'm still following them I just don't want to see it because otherwise I feel like I never get time off from thinking about running and I think it really makes running feel more stressful just just sitting down at nine o'clock and seeing a picture of someone's run makes me feel a bit like oh about it which is silly isn't it but it's how I am uh, and I would just add that like a lot of that I I haven't really gone through the muting I just uh, or doing that and I do see lots of people running and I kind of feel like that's fine I like people are doing that but I I understand completely like the feed becomes sort of saturated with it and the only time it really bothers me is when I've I've gone through a particular block like right now both you know we've got a six month in the house a six month old in the house and a four-year-old who's we're homeschooling and the time I just don't have time to get out really ever so the only time that it kind of the issues compounded is if it's been like five days and I haven't left the house <laughs> and and then like <laughs> and I just go on Instagram and I see like oh another seventeen miles done today and I'll just be like F- you but yeah I think you know, it's natural yeah it is I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna have to get the beat machine out for this episode I think do either of you find it do you find it inspiring though because I guess that's that's the other side of it isn't it that that the idea that social media and seeing people who are maybe a little bit like you are doing these great things do you not get do you not get a sense of well, that's great. I sh- I can. I, I I'm going to get inspired by that. Oh yeah. So when I talk about um, like getting on and being a bit like envious or jealous of seeing someone else's uh, run, that's not really like my main response. My normal response would, would just be like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like I'm. Uh, oh, they've they've done it that way. Or oh, I'm intrigued about about how they're training. Or I mean, because I don't follow a lot of people that I don't know or certainly haven't worked with or or there isn't like a a complete stranger sort of aspect to it so I kind of so there is like a small vested interest even if it's very small but I still might be like oh they're a friend of a friend and I kind of get what they're doing so my normal response would always be like all right that's cool I'm I'm, you know it's nice to see but yeah there's also times when I'm just like oh man like I haven't run for three days and I don't want to I don't I don't want to see someone else having the nice time doing it (laughs) <laughs> which is fine <laughs> uh, what, what about you Jenny? do you find it because it sounds like it is a stress for you do you do you find it inspiring that as well or not um uh, yeah when Ben was saying that I was like actually that's very true I don't I think before I worked for Runners World I followed a lot of kind of fitness uh, I don't like the name influencer but they were influencers and I think that that makes me feel stressed and now I only follow people I know people I work with and sometimes I'll drop in and out of their content if they're, you know, in a very running vibe. And I think that's fine. I think there's this big thing, you know, I'm conscious that I can be annoyed. Like we can all get annoyed at each other on Instagram. It's not real life. Um, I've just got a puppy and I know I'm spamming everyone with puppy pictures. Unfollow me, mute me. Like it's absolutely fine. And I think that's something that we're all a bit awkward about because I know that one of my friends, one of my best friends, when she... um 
when she wasn't able to run, she was like, I'm going to have to mute you because it's too much to see you going out for a run or to see your posts about running in new shoes. I find it too much. And I was like, yeah, we should be able to do that, shouldn't we? I should be able to say, Ben, I'm finding you really annoying. I'm going to mute you for a bit. <laughs> right. yeah, but I'm we afraid. just don't. We no, don't you do can't that. say that to me. You cannot say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say it because it's it comes across as mean. But I think, I don't know. I'm sure Rachel will have a much more kind of proper way of understanding it but for me I'm just like our social medias are our pages and at times we're all allowed to say you're all you're allowed to say to your mate aren't you okay you can stop talking about that now we get it and I think we can drop in and out and that's what I do that's how I try and use it I'm kind of like it's not right for me to sit here and be annoyed at this person because they're doing this training or they're running this race and that's really good for them. It's on me. It's something that I should drop out of their page for a bit and then drop back in when I can get over my own jealousy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Well, uh, should we let's get Rachel, let's get Rachel on the on the on the chat. Let's introduce our guest of the week. Yes. So fitness trackers may help to measure your physical health, but can they take their toll on your mental well-being? Our next guest thinks they can. Dr. Rachel Kent recently authored a study into health tracking technology and found the pressure to share and track their routine on social media and online makes people obsessive, compulsive, and develop addictive relationships with fitness trackers. So we're delighted to have Rachel on the podcast. Welcome to the episode. Could you give us a quick um, overview of um, of the study, the kind of things and the kind of things you were looking into? Yeah, absolutely. So I I actually started this study because I had a very kind of personal um, experience with health tra- tracking applications. So I started using uh, my fitness pal and Nike running application and also doing a lot of juicing back in 2013. This is when like health tracking had really kind of exploded on the consumer market um, and actually ended up over exercising my body and under nourishing my body and ended up very critically ill in hospital for a number of weeks. Um, I actually had abscesses on my kidneys. I had multiple organ failure, um, full body sepsis, was really, really very unwell. And so when after three weeks, I think it was about three or four weeks I was in hospital. um, And when I became conscious again and came out the other side of it, I turned my phone on and I had uh, my uh, my fitness tracker application nudging me, saying to me, Rachel, you've not run for X amount of weeks. Uh, Rachel, here's a list of all of your friends who've run this far. Uh, Rachel, time for a run, question mark. And I just had this moment where I felt this really bizarre sense of guilt uh, that I hadn't been running, that my friends had been running, that I'd seen all of their content on social media. And I just thought there's something really interesting in this relationship with that technology, with that device, that I'm still feeling guilt uh, and kind of this moralized uh, relationship and feeling that that had manifested in that moment. So that's what led me to to develop the project. And from that was uh, this PhD research um, where I I worked with a group of individuals from the age of 26 up to 54 who were using health tracking applications for a huge variety of different reasons. Some of them were marathon training, some were losing weight, some were just um, actually in recovery from kind of chronic illness um, and disease. 
And so it was to understand, well, what are the, all the different motivations that we use and integrate these technologies into our everyday? What does it mean for us when we share this content on social media? How does this influence our mental and physical health and well-being? Um, and and it, it led to uh, yeah, the most recently published paper um, around the, the addictive and potentially quite compulsive practices that emerge. Is there sort of like a definitive line between the two? Is, is sort of fitness tracker... Uh, sort of reliance and I don't want to say well addiction maybe on on a fitness track and then the social media side are they are they two separate facets that kind of meet or is it are they is, did you find that it was actually the two things combined that were the sort of the most detrimental I think that uh, just using the application for your own kind of motivation and focusing on particularly working towards individual goals, whether that's training for a marathon or whichever type of fitness tracking that you're doing that could just be step counting. Um, if you're then sharing that content on social media, the surveillance that comes with performing, representing, capturing you know, the quantifiable, but also quantifiable data, it creates a whole new visibility to your individual health practices, um, which can be really motivating. That can be really, really helpful to be very accountable to your wider community, whether they're your fitness kind of social community or whether they're just friends, family or colleagues. That can be really, really helpful to kind of help and maintain fitness goals. Um, but the problem comes in when you start to rely in a gratifying, self-gratifying way upon that visibility in the form of the kind of metrics of status and currency of likes and feedback, um, which can then maybe influence potentially unhealthy behaviours. Yeah, I was going to say um, a lot of what you said really kind of yeah, kind of not rang alarm bells, but really resonated. I think I have have had my own kind of mental health problems and I have a very addictive personality do you think some people are more prone to being this upset can some people just log their miles and look at social media and not be like this or do you think everyone is kind of a little bit like it and some people are just worse I think that's a really good question I think anybody has the potential to find that data acquisition becoming quite a compulsive practice and being quite tied towards our sense of self-worth, particularly in, in the kind of digital saturation that we're experiencing now in the context of, you know, COVID lockdowns and restrictions around the world, but obviously, of course, in the UK. Um, I think that the younger generations are potentially more susceptible in the context that uh, they haven't had uh, much of their lifetime, if at all, without that influx of these technologies, without that relationship of these technologies in their everyday life to mediate their not only health practice, and their fitness, but also sociality and communication um, via, you know, uh, social media. So I think that everybody has the capacity to uh, be drawn into their devices increasingly. But I certainly think that those of us who have experienced life before uh, digital technology being such a, a pervasive companion in our everyday and kind of the influx of smartphones um, and all of those addictive traits that have emerged over particularly the last decade, I think that, um, yeah, everybody has the potential but the younger generation certainly without having that uh, experience of not knowing what it's like to not always have to kind of capture the body quantify and then share and, and represent the body and data in that way there's a potential there for it becoming um, an increasingly more addictive process what would you say are some of the um some of the telltale signs that maybe your relationship with your fitness tracker and social media is becoming unhealthy yeah so i would say that if you're pushing your body 
more than you feel mentally or physically able to do as if so if you're relying upon the device if you're following that nudge or that notification to run further say or run faster and you don't physically feel capable or able to do it or you make yourself go out for a run when you just don't feel up to it for whatever reason I think that's the key telltale sign uh, that you need to start listening to your body to your own instinctive uh, response to how do your body feels rather than following the nudge of a device Um, and also another kind of side of things is the social media representation and performativity of it so if you're running further uh, to capture a photo to put on Instagram say um, rather than running further because you just might want to run further I think it's that integration of adjusting and molding the body to the aesthetics of the device or the aesthetics of Instagram to capture that image um, means that it can that that personal gratification can become tied to the data Um, so I think that it's important that uh, if you're starting to feel guilty about not exercising uh, and you're making yourself exercise when you don't feel able to or you're focusing more on the acquisition of the data rather than how you just feel after a run if a run only feels good because you've run at a certain speed or a certain distance those are the kind of red flags that I would be looking for it's really interesting actually as well um, certainly when you say the sort of like performative uh, validation that you get from social media and when people get injured and and a sort of a runner someone who identifies as a runner on Instagram being injured is kind of like as, as someone who has been injured um, that's when I think it really you kind of it almost highlights the reliance upon it perhaps even more because you can't deliver in a way that you have been doing previously if that makes sense yeah Absolutely. And I think it's if you have you have a nice life logged archive of data that you've accumulated over a certain amount of time and then you have gaps in that data trail that does generate a lot of anxiety for anybody who's fitness tracking, whatever that fitness might be, I think, particularly for runners, um, those those gaps really do generate anxiety. Um, and and that can be motivating and helpful and supportive in, in some in some ways. Um, but if it's actually making you feel guilty or if you're not physically able to actually go for a run because you do have an injury and you're still feeling guilty uh, and that's very damaging to your mental health. And what would you recommend for someone listening to this now being like, oh my gosh, I feel like that. I have those apps on my phone and they're making me feel really down. Can you go cold turkey and just delete them? Or do you have to kind of phase yourself out? Or how do you manage that? I think it's really important to start off by thinking, why am I tracking? What's the purpose of tracking this activity? So rather than just habitually tracking you know, all of our movements every day or tracking every run, maybe start to think, do I need to track this run? Do I need to track my steps? Can I turn that off or can I leave my device at home? Can I just go outside and enjoy going for a run because it makes me releases endorphins and it makes me feel good and it wakes my body and mind up. I think it's really important to listen to your body and trust how you feel over the device the device's nudges um, to not feel like we always need to be kind of optimal and improving. Um, So when you're thinking about why you're tracking, think, is this necessary for your fitness goals? Is this necessary to integrate this? Are you listening to your body rather than the application? Um, Because it it becomes a very um, compulsive response when we are adjusting our physical capabilities to a device when we might not mentally feel able to do it. So I think it's really important that we think about why we're tracking 
tracking and be conscious about the, the, the tracked data that we're sharing on social media as well, because that can create a whole new level um, of kind of compulsive um, and addictive performativity practices. Hmm. What, what impact would you say that COVID-19 has had on people's reliance on fitness tra- and trackers and, and social media? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I mean, increased screen time, definitely on social media. Absolutely. Um, I did a research project back in lockdown, uh, the first lockdown, and I worked with a group of individuals and was interviewing them about their health tracking behaviors and also their communication and sociality as we all kind of moved into the home, those of us that were fortunate enough able to work from home um, and how that influenced, you know, how we felt about our our health. And I think that initially we were kind of tracking our, our health a lot more. We were tracking our fitness a lot more, sharing it on social media a lot more, um, trying to signify uh, what I was calling this this toxic productivity of having the most productive lockdown. You know, it kind of went from people learning new languages and all of these other things. uh, All the the bread. (laughs) Yeah, baking bread, becoming artisan bakers overnight. But in the health context, you know, running further, you know, capturing all of that data more regularly and sharing it, signifying that a productive lockdown meant, you know, uh, an exciting or happy lockdown. Um, And so that, that was the kind of first shift I think things have changed very much now being kind of fatigued by the lockdowns um, and fatigued by having increasingly been on all of our devices a lot more over the last 11 months um, I think that yeah people's people's behaviors and practices have shifted to being less performative um, I certainly there was some interesting findings around in this project was that individuals who were um, showing that they'd been outside of their home um, by taking an image of uh, going for a run in the park, uh, for example, they some of the participants spoke about getting a bit of backlash from their online community about being out of the house too regularly. Um, people being very kind of self-surveillant, kind of peer policing in these social media circles saying, you know, you look like you've been out of the house more than once a day or for too long. Um, And they were getting a lot of backlash. So there was often this, uh, there was a kind of motive to really justify why somebody was exercising outside. And that became a really interesting part of the data and the content that was being shared, particularly on Instagram. 
going by the sort of the, the the numbers that we have on the site and sort of seeing the number of people who took up running in lockdown one, and as you were mentioning, sort of people's perhaps immediate or people's only experience of becoming a runner is now to be completely engaged on all these different apps. It'd be really, it's really interesting to see how that impacted people's enjoyment of running when they found it in lockdown one. I'm not saying that there's an answer to this. It's just, it made me think like if your first experience of running was to join in during a pandemic, when you, everyone was just living online anyway, and virtual racing was just like the only way to race and all these sorts of tie-ins that present a very skewed experience of running is it more likely that those people will have become immediately fatigued and have stopped running because, you know, it's just an overload? Or do you think that, that again, it's the motivational side of social media? I get, yeah, I think it ties into this toxic productivity um, kind of cultural trend that happened, particularly in lockdown one, where we all adopted all these new hobbies uh, or tried to have the most productive or, you know, um, the most kind of fun lockdown. And I think if you have taken up particularly ex- an exercise routine or say running and you can track it in that really, really detailed way, you are going to have a very different experience um, because the whole experience becomes mediated via a device. And so if it is about the kind of comparative or competitive online running uh, races with other people within your kind of social fitness community or just with friends and family or colleagues say because this is enabling some sociality which we are missing out on in our everyday life in in a society living through a pandemic then um, it becomes very much in yeah very kind of insular uh, data mediated experience where I wonder yeah whether that exacerbates that ad- addictive process because we're also on our devices just a lot more anyway. They become, have become increasingly more of our companions. Um, and so that changes our experience of running outside when we are constantly thinking about the data we're capturing or the photographs we're taking, or am I running faster than my friend, colleague, uh, social fitness friend on an application. I think it changes that. Uh, it, but I think it just potentially distracts from the personal experience of it. And I think that can that's where it can be problematic. And I think we have to strike a balance, don't we, between capturing and tracking our bodies to help our bodies improve and get fitter, uh, and whatever the reason is we might be tracking, but also enjoying it for what it is as well and not becoming so focused um, or coerced by the device itself and, and the kind of accumulation of data. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm interested in your own story, Rachel. And obviously you said you had, you had issues with the fitness trackers and social media. How did you improve that relationship and where are you what's your relationship uh, today like with those things so I actually don't do any tracking at all with my running anymore um when I became unwell was when I had first started running and this obviously fed into me over running you know over exercising my body and under eating because I had taken up a new hobby that I didn't I didn't quite understand I had obviously not uh, gained enough kind of insight into my own body and what it was capable of and there was a lot of misinformation around at the time I was following the the juicing kind of wellness trend as well that was um yeah which kind of we know more about now about you know when to juice and when not to kind of juice and then you know it's obviously there are problematic aspects to it from a health perspective um so I think yeah that I I had to kind of really recognize about that 
individual critical reflexivity on you know why I was tracking my body in that way the impact on my mental health uh from a physical fitness perspective it's really made me enjoy running without a device other than I do have my phone with me because I, I, I love listening to music when I run I find it really motivating um but I don't do any kind of tracking whatsoever when it comes to running um that's something that I I just really like the experience of being outside of the home particularly at the moment of course um and and looking at the trees and and not thinking about you know how fast am I going how far am I going but that's for me because I'm not running um you know races uh, or competitively so I'm just running very much as just like a lay runner who just enjoys going out you know four or five times a week just for short runs uh it's more about regularity than distance for me so yeah my experience has, has changed a lot in that respect um and ensuring that if if when on the social media side of things which i do share predominantly on my on my um on my professional profile on dr digital health on instagram that you're doing it to i think be really honest about what being healthy and fit particularly in a pandemic means and ensuring that you're not promoting kind of toxic wellness or toxic productivity in the sense that you want to make people feel comparative or competitive um, that it's kind of realistic about what we can achieve um, from a fitness perspective particularly and from a health perspective um, at such a time of kind of collective national trauma effectively really uh, living through this pandemic is I think is to be kind of motivating and supportive to one another but be really realistic um, about you know ensuring that we're not kind of over-exercising or expecting too much of our bodies at a time like this. I think I definitely have had to turn off my um, my step count. And I know that's probably like the least of anyone's problems in a pandemic, but I was getting obsessed with the fact that I wasn't walking enough. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know what, and you know, I'd go out for a walk and I'd have to track it. And I remember going for a walk in the first pandemic with my boyfriend and I realised on the common, I hadn't st- I hadn't pressed start on my watch. And I was like, oh my God, I've not pressed start. And he was like, why does it matter? And I couldn't explain to him why it mattered, but it did matter to me. So I think everyone listening to this is probably going to be like, yep, I've struggled with that. And I, I think it is, I don't know. I, I don't know how I kind of come out of that. I guess I have to do it gently because at the moment that matters to me and it's a pandemic and we have to all be understanding of each other's little ticks at the moment, don't we? Absolutely. I think, but also I, I guess because of the last, well, coming on nearly 12 months that we've been experiencing, you know, quite, you know, the lockdown restrictions, of course, um, is that life feels very much on hold right now, doesn't it? I think we're all kind of getting on as best we can, and uh, but life feels very kind of stagnant. So I think that those that have adopted, particularly running, say, or any kind of cardio exercise, it's something that really does genuinely, of course, boost your mood, um, but it makes us feel quite productive. And so I think that... Um, you can kind of I think that's the reason why I think health tracking particularly has become more widely adopted is because it is you're accumulating something you're generating something you're you know you're generating all this data you can see on a nice graph um that your your, your run times are you know are decreasing or you're running further or you know whatever it is that your goal is it's quite gratifying and satisfying at a time when there's not very much that we can do right now so that you know it, tracking our bodies is something that we can do and it gives us an element of perceived control and perceived kind of objectivity and there's something there's kind of a, a bit of a misinformation miscommun- a mis, um, or a, a, a way of thinking about data that it can be quite transparent and objective 
um, which of course it's not. Um, but I think that there's something about accumulating all of that data that does make us feel quite productive um, and provides us with something to engage with and potentially learn more about our bodies. And I think that's certainly what these devices promote themselves as, is a tool to learn more about yourself. Rachel, thanks so much for uh, for coming on the, the Run As Well podcast. It's really, really interesting to talk to you about um, social media and fitness trackers and whether they actually are kind of doing more harm than good. So thanks very much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. Thanks very much to our guest, Dr. Rachel Kent, and to you, of course, for listening. Do let us know what you think of the episode at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. The Run As Well podcast is available on Acast, iTunes, and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Run As World UK. Please subscribe, leave a comment if you'd like to. That would be fantastic. And we will see you again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.